0: Message notes. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of God. You may be seated.
1: Lord Jesus, thank you for forming us into a brand new family through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you reached out to us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You made us alive together with Christ. You raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. That in the coming ages, you might show for the riches of your grace in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the personal salvation that we have received from Christ But thank you as well that there is a corporateness to our salvation, that we respond to you personally, but that our relationship with you is never private, because we become part of a family. Today, help us to think through how important it is that we consider what being related to Jesus Christ means for us in relationship with others who are followers of Jesus. And indeed, all of humanity. Help us this morning. And help me as I share. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll let you consider two images as we begin our time together. Which have been kind of uh, occupying my attention over the course of the last uh, uh, week or so. One is the image of the Christian family. Which spans time and distance. And I can't help but think of that in part because, and I, I know I did this a little, a couple of weeks ago, but we have had so many guests of family and friends who've come to see us in the last year. Those of you who heard this is your first year, you must think this is the way it always happens for us in the wintertime, but it doesn't generally. And yet it, we're just so excited that we've had the opportunity to share times together with people who have meant so much to us throughout the course of our lives and in our past as well and you already had a chance to hear from my good friend doug uh who 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 i have known since my childhood we spent a lifetime together ever since we were seven years old his dad being the pastor of the church where i attended and both of us ending up in ministry and each of us spending a lot of time together he tends to come and visit every winter from ohio which Why would anybody do that, right? But that they come to visit us in the winter, and I enjoy that. And so we have this long connection, and their families are part of our connection as well. But then also we have another couple of guests who are here today. I got to—I'm going to interrupt you just a little bit. Um, I was uh, uh, sort of licking my wounds in Ajo last Saturday evening, having ridden 110 miles on that bike trip, and opened up my phone to, to check it because we're going to Mexico the next day, and I see a message uh, from Rhonda Brubaker, and saying, we're in the area, and we want to come to church, and I'm thinking, oh no, I'm not going to be there tomorrow, on the 17th, they said, she said, I said, oh good, I look forward to seeing you, so Rick and Rhonda Brubaker are over here, and they were part of our life during our 20s, and the very first church where I was the senior pastor in Dillman, Indiana, in the country there, Rick and Rhonda were part of that church family, active there, and so for those four years we shared life together. And, um, man, I, I, I gotta tell you, those four years at uh, at that country church in Indiana were incredibly formative and beautiful for Donna and I. I had been a music minister and associate pastor, youth pastor, for four years prior to that at the right old age of 21 to 25, but now that I was 25 and all grown up, I was going to be a senior pastor, and so I got sent from uh, California where I had been uh, having a surf team with my youth group to become a country pastor in the middle of Indiana, and uh, I had no idea if those people would ever accept me. But they did, they loved and accepted me, and they gave me the opportunity, and Don and I had the opportunity to feel welcomed and loved and accepted, and we still have some powerful connections to friends uh, back there in Indiana. So Rick and Rhonda are here today, and we're going to look forward to catching up a little bit uh, uh, at, at breakfast after church today, and I'm, I, can't, I can't wait, so I'll try not to be quite too long-winded today. But then also, as you know, next to me has been standing for the last couple of weeks, uh, Gretchen, And and her husband, Everett, who were part of our lives during our 30s when I was a pastor of a church uh, here in Arizona as well. And I think about the, uh, the, 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 the sense of brotherhood and sisterhood that comes because of our connection with Jesus Christ. That image of the Christian family, which spans time and distance, is very powerful to me. And then, of course, there are all of you today who are just a miracle that you're here today. If you'd have asked me 10 years, what does the future hold? I would not have said 10 years uh, 10 years from now, I'll be pastoring a church behind a Buffalo Chip Saloon, and there'll be 150 of us coming on a Sunday morning. Well, I would, that would have been the last thing I would have expected. And yet that's exactly what's begun to happen. And I am so grateful and thankful to be a part of this church family. Whenever I travel and people ask me about our church, I'm always so proud to tell them about you all. And, and 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 what a wonder it is that To me, from the time I was seven, I have friends who shared my life in Christ. Then when I first began to work in ministry in my 20s, friends who still share my life in Christ, our lives in Christ together, and then friends from my 30s, and then all of you today, and then just last weekend as Doug and I were uh, uh, taking a ride from Phoenix down to Rocky Point in our bicycles in order to raise money for building homes down there, Uh, these people that... For the most part, I met quite a few of them last year. Doug met them just this year with this immediate connection, which is not just about well I to ride bikes, but it's a spiritual connection as well. Because by and large, probably 90% of the people going on this ride are people who are active in a local church family and want to express their love for Christ by serving the poor in Mexico in honoring Jesus in this way and and th- that those conversations mean so much and then while we were there as the shared we had the opportunity to get to know two of the people who live there Antonio and his wife Maria and and their uh, and, and their family story And then Pedro who runs that whole mission down there and to learn something about his family story and to, uh, and to realize how God had worked in his life this sense of connection that comes in the church family, which spans time and distance. You see, the gospel brings us together into one family. We are a family, for Christ has made us one. His blood is flowing through our veins. We're sisters and brothers, daughters and sons. It's not just a song, it's the truth. We're a family. That image is in my mind. But there's another image that's in my mind as well as I think about the landscape around us. And that is not just the Christian family which spans time and distance, but also, and sadly, the divided world which separates us from one another. The divisive culture which separates us from one another. I don't have to, I don't have to prove to you the fact that we live in a very divided world. Do you agree with me about that? and the divisions are getting worse all the time. Worse. We have divided families, divided communities, divided politics, we're divided over sexuality, we're divided over uh, uh, ethics, we're divided over walls, we're divided over everything, aren't we? We're divided about just about everything you can think of. And today's text speaks precisely to those two images that I'm thinking about. One, our divided world, and two, God's united family. Let's think about these issues as we take a look at this text, the text which, uh, which Peggy read for you a little bit earlier. We're in the middle and really what is the heart of the Apostle Paul's letter, a circular letter, the copy of which we have, was written to the church there in Ephesus. And in this letter he's trying to describe God's big picture for the whole world. And he has said ultimately that God is using the Church of Jesus Christ to become the means by which he communicates the love of God to this whole world until that final day when God brings all things together under one head, Jesus Christ, who will bring heaven and earth together under him. And that the Church in the meantime is meant to be a microcosm, a mini-example, a working model of what that ultimate future will be when we live in a place where there is uh, serving others, not being served by others, when love is shared freely and not without agenda, that the church is meant to be the place. That's why in our church statement we call ourselves Ecclesia, a community of faith, love, and hope, called to faith in the gospel of Jesus, gathered in love as the community of Jesus, sent with hope on the mission of Jesus, we're called to be living witnesses of God's new creation in Christ Jesus by becoming a community of faith and love and hope. So let's take a look at this text and ask three questions about it that will hopefully help us see what God's purpose for the Christian family is and also how God wants to use the Christian family to bring unity into an utterly divided and increasingly dangerous world, yes. It tells us that Jesus has come down to break down these walls, which divide us from God and one another, and it tells us that salvation is not only for our future destiny, but that we have current purpose and meaning in the world today. We are becoming a part of God's solution to the problems of our world. So the three questions are, what is the problem, what is the solution, and what are the results? Let's take a look at that. The problem is described for us in verses 11 and 12 of this text, which you can look at it in your Bibles, or if you want to, on the back side of the message notes, which were handed out to you in your programs this morning. The problem, as Paul describes it here, is alienation. Alienation. Listen to the text. Therefore, remember, he says, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh. Now, everybody who's not a Jew, a non-Jewish person, is a Gentile, okay? You, uh, one time were, and, and the people to whom he was writing were 95 or more percent about uh, non-jewish people therefore at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hand remember remember that at one time you were separated from Christ alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world the problem with our world is alienation the words he uses he calls he calls it separation, alienation, strangers. The problem is we're all illegal aliens, if you will, in our own world. We are not fully at home. In our know, we're separated. There is alienation in our uh, in, in our world today. We're all we have a we are alienated. First of all from God, and secondly, from one another. Now let me back up one step from all of this and remind you of something which I say quite frequently, but I say it so much on purpose. Because you remember that the Bible is a huge four-part drama, an epic drama, explaining why the world is here, what went wrong in the world, how it gets fixed, and where the world is going. Those are fundamental questions that everyone has. Why are we here? What's gone wrong with this world? Um, How do we fix what's gone wrong, and where is this world ultimately going? Christianity has, and the scriptures have, a very profound and simple answer to that question, and it connects specifically to this point right here, these two points particularly. Why are we here? This is a beautiful world, created by a God, out of love, in order to be a place where heaven and earth can be united as one. A place where there is harmony and love. Where when this world was first created in Genesis 1 and 2, there was harmony with the God who made us. Humanity was meant to live in harmony with God. And out of that then, there was to be harmony everywhere else that we looked. This beautiful world was created so that human beings could live in harmony with one another. Shalom, we might even say. Shalom with one another. And a shalom, a harmony in, within their own souls. And then a the harmony as they develop culture. That's why the scripture says, be fruitful and multiply and, and, and fill the earth. Take the world resources. The world is here because God in love designed this world. And love always seeks to recreate itself. So the world was born out of the love of the Holy Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As God said, let's make a world... And in it, he put humanity to be the caretakers for this beautiful world. That's why we're here. What went wrong? Well, beautiful creation is followed by broken creation. Genesis 3 and following tell that story. How humanity was designed to live in love relationship with God, and love can only be loved if it's freely given, which means it must be freely chosen. So God gave to humanity everything they needed for a great world together. And gave them one stipulation, and the only point of that stipulation was to have them respond in love to Jesus, to God. And it was, of course, the temptation in the garden. When humanity was caused to doubt the goodness of God, and to believe that God was holding out on them, and to think that they could do better by ignoring what God had told them, and doing something on their own. And so they took the fruit, and immediately their eyes were open. And now, instead of harmony, to take our Bible word today, there was alienation. Alienation. Immediately, their eyes were opened. They saw they were naked. They covered themselves. They hid from God. They made excuses. They blamed one another. And the world has been out of tune, or out of joint, or alienated ever since. That's the problem with this world it's a beautiful world broken by human rebellion and so rather than building culture to bless the world and bless all of humanity culture becomes a way of affirming our own identity so that's why we say because I'm white and you're not I'm better than you or because I'm educated and you're not I'm better than you or I always think of when I see you, Kevin, but I remember being in high school and I remember thinking, because I'm athletic and you're not. <laughs> not you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think you can remember that far back. Or because I'm talented and you're not, or because I'm pretty and you're not, or because I have money and you don't. Why? Culture then becomes a way of finding a pecking order. Is it any wonder we have such a disjointed culture? And then also, of course, human beings become a means of our own self-satisfaction. I love is for me. You're meeting my needs. What can I get from you? I'm doing this job to make my... Alienation creates so many problems in our world. Alienation. And the Bible tells us the third part is what's wrong, how will it get fixed? not by humans trying to fix it, but by God reaching in from the outside and fix it. That's point number two. We'll get to that, but I won't get back to this point. But point two, all right? That Jesus is the answer to the world's alienation. And that ultimately, where is this world going? Not into the dust heap, not to ashes, not to dust, but into a brand new world where God will live among his people and we will have new made, remade bodies on this great new world. That's where this world is going. That's the four-part drum. Beautiful creation, broken creation, rescued creation, new creation. That's the whole story. So what is the problem, Paul says? The problem is alienation. You're alienated from God. He speaks about in particular in verses 1 to 3, the text we looked at two weeks ago, where alienated is God. and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, walking up to the prince of the power of this air, we're by nature objects of wrath, and, uh, and without, uh, uh, like the rest of mankind, we are without God, it says in verse 11 and 12, and without hope. We are alienated from God. That's the problem. It's because we've lost that connection, we now no longer have an inner calibration which helps us know we are worthy of love because God has loved us and made us. And so therefore, we have difficulty in relationships with those whom we love around us and our culture as well. And so that's the root of all of our problems in this world. And so he speaks about our alienation from God. But in this text in particular, he speaks about our alienation from one another. Let's see how it works itself out in verses 11 and 12. You were separated from Christ, but not just that alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. They were alienated from each other. Now Paul is drawing on very well-known imagery at that time, which is not quite so well-known to us today. So let me take a moment to describe it for you. He's describing what it was like in the temple of that day. Think about the temple exclusion that was going on. In the temple of Herod's great temple of that day, which still was up when Paul wrote this book, there was the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go, and he only once per year. And outside of that was the court of the priests, where only the holy people of priests could go, and they could come and go into that area. And then outside of that, there was the court of Israel, where only the men, not the women. Only the Jewish men, not the Jewish women could go. Women were excluded from the courts of Israel. And then outside of that was the court of women. They get in there. Okay? And then after you went... So on the inside was no one ever saw but the high priest once a year. And the and the, and then the, the court of the priest was the priest saw but uh, uh, but no no Jewish men could go in there. And outside of that... The Jewish men could go into the court of Israel. And then beyond that, the court of women. Then you came to a small wall. A wall. And you, uh, well first of all, you went down five steps to a platform. And then 14 more steps to another wall. All those steps. were the outer, the court of the Gentiles began. And there was a wall there. Upon which was written this description. Trespassers will be executed. If you came in there and you were not a Jewish person, man or woman, you would be killed for that. And if you think it was just a, a, you know, a, an idle threat, you haven't read your Bible. Because the Apostle Paul was taken prisoner just for that reason in Acts chapter 21. He was there in the temple, and, and when he came into the temple to do some of the duties that he was in the temple area, there was a riot of mobs. And I remember last week he brought Trophimus, the Gentile, into this area, and they, a, a riot began to occur, and they were covering for his life because they thought erroneously. That Paul had brought Trophimus into the beyond the wall where the Gentiles could go. They were very serious about that. So the Apostle Paul is not merely giving a metaphor. He's describing an actual situation. That in the old days, non-Jewish peoples were excluded outside, unwelcome. Yes, the problem is alienation. We're alienated from God and we're alienated from one another. And so, as a consequence, we have lots of problems in our world today, as I already described for you. We tend now to live lives of exclusion and, uh, uh, and and alienation and division all around us. If you're not like me, you're not as good as me. We define ourselves in terms of who we are not. We, I mean, all oh, the crazy things that so you know there are. People at athletic sporting events who've been beaten up because they were rooting for the wrong team. You know that's true. What's that about? Is it just because someone's idiotic the and had too much to drink? Well, that's part of it, no doubt. But underneath us, there's that sense of, I find my identity in these kinds of things. And if you don't have it, you're not as good as me. You don't belong here. Yeah. Alienation is a huge problem in our world. But what then is the solution? The second question. Well, the solution is reconciliation. Reconciliation through Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who's made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There was a literal wall separating people from God. Jesus broke it down with His flesh. His blood brought us near to God that He might rescue. And He came and preached peace to you who are afar and you who are near. and And He through him we both have access by, uh, in one spirit to the Father. How did he reconcile us? Verse 16, he reconciled us both to God in one body through his cross, thereby killing the hostility. How did he kill the hostility? He killed the hostility through his body. By how? By laying down his life. At the expense of all of human rebellion, and all of human uh, uh, presumption, and all of human pride, he laid himself out and took upon himself the wrath of all of this, and the wrath as well. His blood brought us near to God, and gave to us peace with God through his body. And his blood also restored our broken. Humanity. Yeah. He himself is our peace. He has us, made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in that he might create in himself one new man out of the two. Making peace. Jesus was trying to break a whole new community. Now, I I had wanted to take a little time. I only have a moment here to do this. But the, the incredible division that occurred between Jews and Gentiles. They hated one another. They hated one another. And the Jews felt so far superior to one another. And now the Apostle Paul is saying, not only that the Gentiles been brought in, but that now Jews are brothers and sisters with Gentiles. This was a miracle. It had never happened before where people so different had become family together. They became one new man, a new, verse 15, new humanity in place of the two. Whereas before we had Jews and Gentiles, now we have the church made up of them both. Now you're two millennia away from that, so that seems normal to you, but it was not normal in those days. In fact, it was such a great testimony to the reconciling power of the gospel to see how reconciliation had resulted in Jews and Gentiles worshiping together and calling one another brother and sister. He has restored our broken humanity. The ultimate answer to the story, but how will it get fixed? It will get fixed because Jesus will bring rescue by giving his life, uh, breaking down the wall with his own body, By laying down his life for us. What then are the results of reconciliation in the last few moments that we have? What are the results of reconciliation? Reconciliation gives us peace with God. It gives us peace with God. We're no longer fighting with God. We're instead responding in love to the God who loved us. We're responding to him in faith. It also brings to us the eradication of racism. Every more time, we could talk at length about the incredible sin that it is to allow racial prejudice to weave its way and let the church confess it has been as guilty as the rest of society in this. It's so wrong. If God could find a way to bring Jews and Gentiles back, and said that that was important, then God would certainly say to us, stop ridiculing those guys, stop ridiculing, stop treating people as subhuman, eradication of the pecking order also has brought to us a whole new human family, the church of Jesus Christ, and look how he describes that for us in verse 19. So then, you, that is those Chantons, are no longer strangers and aliens. That was the word he used earlier, alienation. No longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. We have a new citizenship. I fear that way too many American Christians have it to be that order their lives. They are Americans first, and Christians second. That is not the gospel. We are Christians first, and Americans, and then our political party, and then our community, and then the teams we move for. All those fit underneath that.
0: Christians.
1: We have a new citizenship. Yes, but that's not all. The uh, in whom the whole, excuse me, you're no longer, str- verse strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God, members of the family of God. We have a brand new family. Yes, this is why you should never demean the church or treat it like just one other vending item that you go to to get a a spiritual pill for the week if you have the time. No, you're part of a family. And families have commitments and obligations. They share with one another. They cry for one another. They hurt with one another. They welcome one another. They fight with one another, but they never give up on one another, right? They're part of a family. Yes. They're given a new citizenship, a new family, and then going on built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, that's the scriptures. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord. In him, you're all being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now the temple is no longer a structure with walls and, and 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 rules and regulations and only people, certain people get so far and only the high priests and only the priests and only the, the the male Jews and then the female Jews and the dogs are outside inside the outside the Gentile people no it's no longer, there's no building at all we are the ecclesia right the called gathered sent community of God He's taken that image of the temple in verse eleven and twelve and turned it on it says. Turned it on its head and said, now we are the temple of God. We are the place in which the spirit of God lives. And it's not just saying that each individual is the person, is the place, but rather collectively. We are living stones connected to one another where God's spirit lives. God's dwelling place. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful result of reconciliation. Yes, we live in an alien and divided world. And we will have varying opinions perhaps about how best to address that. But we know that the ultimate answers to the alienation of our world are to be found in reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. That then turns us into a new community who live the Jesus way in the midst of a culture so divisive. Knowing that living the Jesus way can get us to be sufferers as well sometimes. But being willing to do that because he gave his life for us. We can be thankful as we gather today that the vision of being united together is not simply built on some human idea, but because God in himself has come to live among us and give his life for us and die on the cross, be buried and raised again we can offer new new life to all who respond in faith to him. So as we close our time together, I want to invite you to recognize that you're part of a huge family, the church. And if you're sitting in the outskirts or sitting in the judgment seats of the, uh, 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 of the church and not involved and committed, step in to the family. It'll be messy, but that's where we belong. And that you will ask God to eradicate any kind of superiority that you might have towards other people and other cultures. That He would point it out to you whenever you run into it. And that most important is, we close this message: if you are still at odds with God, will you surrender to Him and receive the peace of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ? Is that prayer? What we close. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful and thankful that we have the privilege as a gathered community every week, to affirm by our presence and also by our lives together that we are a family. We're united by blood, but it's not our blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you that he gave his life for us. Pray that some of us today will respond in faith to that. And that all of us today would affirm our commitment to the body of Christ and to being the people of Christ who bring reconciliation into an utterly divided world. That is in Jesus' name.